You are listening to Analyze Asia with Bernard Leung, the podcast dedicated to interview thought leaders and industry players to understand and dissect the pulse of technology, media, and business in Asia. The show is sponsored by Ideal Workspace, which promotes a healthier way of working through their adjustable standing desk. You can visit their website, idealworkspace.com. Hi, Casey. Hi, Bernard. How are you doing? Very good. We are talking to Casey Lau from StartupsHK.com. So, Casey, tell me your story. Uh, well, um, it's a long story. Are you ready for it? Do you, how of much time I'm do we have? I'm ready for it. Well, we have an hour. <laughs> we have an hour? That's not yeah. enough time. We need more. It's an epic. Okay. Um, so, I guess basically, um, just to give you background on the startup scene in Hong Kong, um, I guess before we started doing stuff, there was something happening here. There's definitely people talking about technology startups, but I don't think it was a very organized kind of a community yet. I think that some of the people who are starting to stir things up were people like uh, Science Park and uh, Cyberport, which are the two government uh, agencies here in, in Hong Kong that are charged with kind of developing the high-tech scene here. And so I think it was in 2009. I'm sure this wasn't the first time they did it, but they did hold an angel conference and they flew in a bunch of Silicon Valley investors to Hong Kong. Basically, they talked to people in Hong Kong about what they're doing and get them kind of excited or opening their minds and their reasoning about what they were going to do with startups. And one of the guys on the panel was uh, Dave McClure. And this is uh, pre-500 startups time, right? This is 2009. So he was in charge of the Facebook fund. And he was doing investments for with that money. And he, of course, he was one of the early guys in PayPal as well. Basically, he, you know, they talk about, you know, what angel deals are like in the Valley and what kind of startups are getting funded, things like that. This is back when TechCrunch.com was like the Bible. Everybody read it every day, every all over Hong Kong and discussed what was happening in the Valley. And so the conference was really well attended. I think a few hundred people were there. So this is really the beginning of the whole thing. And then somebody in the audience raised their hand and asked Dave, hey, what should we do when you guys leave? You know, Because a lot of the times, a lot of these American speakers come to Hong Kong or to Asia and get everybody excited and then they kind of leave and then the momentum dies because nobody knows what to do next. So Dave specifically told this guy, who's our friend, you guys should start, get together and start your own ecosystem. You know, just get together in a coffee shop or whatever and just start talking and meeting and talking about startups. And basically that's what we did. And we took that comment to heart. And so six of us got together, started meeting in, in coffee shops around Hong Kong and talking about startups like it was an Alcoholics Anonymous, right? We'd all go around the table, introduce ourselves and say, hi, my name is Casey. I'm in a startup. And kind of everybody would, hello, Casey, welcome. And then we just kind of go from there. Um, and now today we have like 6,000 members in Hong Kong alone who are on our various mail lists, social media, and things like that. Mm. And uh, I'd say that wasn't even the full extent of the amount of people who are into startups now in Hong Kong. So, so it's grown quite a bit over five years. Is StartupsHK.com uh, kind of the result of that those meetings? Yeah, I'd say so. So what happened is StartupsHK.com was basically a, like a directory at the beginning. It just showed off you know, who, who showed up to the meetings. <laughs> so you could t you could find out who they were and follow up with who they were afterwards, and basically a lot of people, all the people wanted that were in the group, wanted more you know exposure. We we created a website of course, and we're on Facebook and all those kind of things, and then uh, people said, you know what, we should do a conference. We should kind of like do a conference and show off what we're doing to the media and things. So I said, okay, let's do that. So we started Startup Saturday, which is the big thing, and we went to Cyberport and said, can we use some of the space in your place? And they said, sure. So we hope to have maybe 100 people show up and watch about, I think we had about 30 companies pitching, and we did some panels. I mean, we just copied the, the Disrupt, the Crunch Conference kind of model, but, you know, focusing on what was happening here. And we had, I don't know, 500 people show up for this thing. So it was even bigger than the Angel Conference, and a lot of people just came by to see what was going on. But people pitched all kinds of ideas. Some of them are still going today. Some of them are dead, but... It was the very, very early stages of, of the startup community here in Hong Kong. In terms of a startup ecosystem, what is the culture like then in Hong Kong? Are entrepreneurs typically more risk averse? You know, in Southeast Asia, some parts of it, the culture is they are afraid of failure. Most people would rather be civil servants or in multinational companies. But I think from my understanding of Hong Kong culture, you are very entrepreneurial people. So I think that that is probably not the issue for you guys. Hong Kong is definitely entrepreneurial and it's been that way. You know, Lee Ka-shing is probably one of the most famous entrepreneurs in the old days. But I would say that because of the high cost of living in Hong Kong, that entrepreneurship is maybe not number one in a lot of people's minds. 
as well as being in an Asian like family system. So I see like maybe more local people, local Hong Kong people, maybe ri not risk adverse, but more like adverse to um, causing trouble in their families rather than anything else. Mom and dad want you to go and, and get a normal job. So does your girlfriend, right? Because you gotta you gotta buy a house soon. You have all these things working against you. So I think in these kind of pressure, doing a startup is probably not on the top of your list. I, I wouldn't say it's because of the lack of talent or lack of drive or anything like just It's just the cultural thing there. Mm. And then, of course, once you get out of school, what we're finding is the banks go right directly to the universities and hire right out of graduation. So you have a chance to get a real job and central, which is the main business district here, with a good salary. And, you know, you're working for a multinational company, so everybody should be pretty happy for you if you're doing that. So with that kind of thing around, it's kind of a little bit scared to do a startup, right? Mm -hmm. But we're finding out a lot of Hong Kong people are going to school in the States and Canada and Australia, and they're coming back with all these crazy ideas of doing their own startups and being their own bosses and changing the world, right? That's actually very similar to in Singapore. And actually, to be frank, I'm very influenced by Hong Kong culture. In fact, most of the things I think about in terms of entrepreneur actually originated from Hong Kong. Yeah, like what? Like what? Like um, you know the kind of the your drama serials, your you know manga. It has a very entrepreneurial feel. Maybe it's a little bit like otaku. So okay. in Japan, so it gives you that sense that you can achieve anything. Well, coming back to that is in terms of infrastructure wise, you have the cyber port, right? So yes. are there actually areas where startups aggregate together? I think that when we first started Startups HK, we had a place in a place called Wan Chai, which is on the Hong Kong Island side. And we used to on congregate there. And then now it's kind of split up into different places. There's another place called Dim Sum Labs, which is a hacker space. And so you get all the hacker people going there. So I, I don't think there's any like one specific place at the beginning where people used to congregate, which would just be anywhere. Hong Kong is very spread out. So and pe some people, you know, people on the Kowloon side would stay in the Kowloon area and Hong Kong people stay in the Hong Kong area. So it'd be kind of split up. But if we had a good speaker or somebody cool in town that was going to do something, everybody would come out for that. It would be anywhere at any bar from Central to Wan Chai. So that's what would happen. Now with all the co-work spaces, it's like everywhere. Like there's, there's a little pocket of startup community happening everywhere around the island and the main main part of Hong Kong. So it's, uh, I couldn't tell you, like you came in to see one area, you'd get one flavor of kind of startups that are here. And if you went to another area, you get a different kind of flavor. So it's definitely, it, it depends on what you're looking for. And, you know, if you're looking for hardware startups, if you're looking for fintech startups, you know, you, you can go to special places to see these kind of people. Oh, so, for example, what kind of startups are popular given that Hong Kong is a commercial hub for banking industry, financial and insurance services and logistics? So what kind of startup seems to be popular within the Hong Kong ecosystem? Well, to give you an idea, I think that a lot of people who are in banking who want to get out of banking, don't want to do any more banking, right? So fintech startups, which are actually nowadays are getting more popular, at, you know, a few years ago, nobody wants to do them, right? People who are in banking want to get out of it and want to go do something artistic with their lives, right? The whole idea, because we saw a lot of um, bankers either getting laid off or just getting out of the whole thing together and starting to do their own thing and getting more, getting something to that they can be excited about rather than that kind of world, right? So that was a different kind of take to it. Now I'd say, you know, the fintech stuff is getting more popular. I mean, Hong Kong is famous for financial services, uh, retail and logistics, these kind of, and property. But these are the things that a lot of startups did not, at the beginning at least, attack, right? Because most of the time it's mostly geeky guys getting together, trying to do some cool tech stuff. And then watching all the cool stuff happening in the States and think that it could be easy to replicate that here, mm. which it was not, right? Now we're finding in the last 12 months that the logistics and the fintech startups are the ones getting funded and the ones that are getting the most traction right away because everyone's interested in this startup world but they only want to are interested in the parts that are that make sense to them that they understand so like a Foursquare check-in app may not be something that excites people here but the stock security tradings website or logistics with vans ordered by your iPhone are more interesting so you actually have picked up the top five for the year 2014, right? Well, these are the one, yeah, these are the guys that are in our community that we thought who came out in 2014 that came out pretty strong, and uh, we wanted to make sure that people knew who they were. And uh, we, they're one of them is called Grana. They're a clothing online clothing store. Um, they're just trying to do fast fashion um, out of Hong Kong. They raised a bunch of money from Australia and moved to Hong Kong, hmm. so they're not even local people. They're from Australia. 
There's GoGoVan, uh, which is uh, like a like an Uber, but they are able to um, book vans for moving. So if you need to move a bed, you can book a van. It'll come pick you up and help you move your van, um, your bed or your sofa. I happen to know Bindo, the founder. You know the founder? Yeah, uh, Stephen Lam and his yeah, team. Okay, yeah, okay, yeah, that's great. Uh, yeah, awesome. Students yeah. from the the they actually the three founders actually work in the same Chinese restaurant, but then they study in different UCs. I think one of them is UC Berkeley, and then. That's yeah, right. the two from the other two uh, uh, UCs, basically. And they yeah, were actually they starting great. another idea before they turned this into Google Van, basically. I actually quite like the team. They have a very, very good team. They're a very good team, and they have a great story to, to tell other uh, young Hong Kong entrepreneurs or in entrepreneurs in making. So that's, that's great. We always like to make sure that they're mm. front and center whenever we promote something. Mm. So they're um, kind of the startups. example of people coming back from the U.S. with great ideas and decided to work in the logistics space. Great ideas and also a, a, a willingness to fail. Mm. Like they've done stuff before, it didn't work. They're, and their willingness to learn, their willingness to get better in what they're doing. These are the kind of things that you know you see every day in like the states, but necessarily in Asia, maybe not so much. Once they get knocked down, it's hard for them to get back up, right? Mm. But these guys are really, really strong. So we really like those guys. Mm. I noticed. Um, so, yeah, a bunch of this, so I couldn't yeah. tell you like there were specifically right. a bunch of like you know popular. Mm. You know verticals that people are working in. It seems like there's a there's an opportunity in every corner, mm. um, and uh, there's you know companies from the U.S. are moving in. You know like Uber yep. are coming in to like own the spaces that other people are trying to work in, right? Mm. So I'm I tell a lot of startups, you know, it's time to get going. You know, you want to you want to win the the war. You have to go before all these companies come in from overseas because. Hong Kong is getting exciting, right? Asia is getting exciting, so get moving. Like Uber recently came out with something called Uber Cargo, which is a direct challenge to Google Van. Probably. Yeah, that is interesting. I don't know how they're positioning it, but I definitely think that you know Uber has a different kind of brand than Google Van. So we'll see what happens there. But I mean, I, I always I always tell people like the whole idea of Uber coming to Asia, coming to Hong Kong, and showing people in Hong Kong, like uh, the normal people, not the startups, but the normal people. That you know, an iPhone is more than just Facebook, right? Facebook or or photos of your food, right? It does more. <laughs> you can actually order a taxi on it. You can order more stuff. You can do things with it that will change people's lives. And I think that you know, for however Uber does in Asia or in Hong Kong or how it maybe competes with these other homegrown startups, I think that it's given a lot of validity to startups, technology companies. And giving ideas to other people to come here and, and do stuff. So I, mm. I think it's pretty exciting. I interrupted your train of thought. There are three more companies that you wanted to talk about in your top five. These are top five. Like I said, there's mm. the ones that we chose for last year. Mm. But there's one called Bindo. They are a Hong Kong company with a New York office as well. And they they went down to a Startup Asia last year. And they, they took the Startup Battlefield and won that. Um, they're like a payment payment system, like a square for here. Around is a, is a is like a social network for... Neighborhoods, which I, I I don't know if that's a totally original idea, but it work it works very well in Hong Kong's vertical uh, living spaces, mm. which I think is really interesting. Similar to nearby in the U.S., I think. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. Uh -huh. I mean, if you've been to you've been to the U.S., your neighbor could be you know a couple miles away from you, but in Hong Kong, they're almost living on top of you. So I think. I'd like to know who my neighbors were and then and see what I can do to uh, make make nicer with these people that you don't really see. And it's not a very neighborly culture here, right? And you probably have in Singapore too. And then there's Easy Cube, is uh you know it's like a it sounds like a, a a player against Apple TV, but it's its own thing. And it I didn't really like the idea that much when they pitched it to us, um, but they proved they proved me wrong. They didn't they want to kickstart and raise a ton of money on that thing. So a lot of people have the same challenge. It's a, like a really easy to use uh, storage for photos and music and things like that for your like your mother, or your grandmother, people who are not so tech savvy. So I thought that was a pretty good idea too. So those are the kind of guys that we like. Um, there's tons more, but we just wanted to keep it to five. Mm. Uh, but that's different ones. And those ones are more consumer facing as well. So you also have some interesting exits that happened in that last five years since startupshk.com have been started. Yeah. Well, the most exciting one, I guess, was Divide, mm. which is the um, the company that pitched, you know, our very first startup Saturday. And basically, in Hong Kong, and I'm like, I'm sure it's like this in many other countries, when you work for a bank, they give you a BlackBerry, and that BlackBerry is locked down with no Facebook, no Twitter, nothing like that on it, right? So you buy another phone for your own personal use, which is probably an iPhone. So now you're carrying two phones around. So what Divide did was they took the Android operating system and cut it in half so that your IT department could manage half of it and you could manage the other half. 
So if you get fired, you lose all your Excel spreadsheets, but you keep all your baby pictures. <laughs> Fantastic idea. So of course, Google Ventures is all over this idea. Um, they raise a lot of money on it, and I think, and they eventually did sell out to Google, and they're they're leading up the the Google Enterprise or the Android Enterprise division now for mm. for Google. So that's How much very was they exciting. Acquired? Um, I believe it was I, it was not disclosed, but we are guessing it's somewhere between one twenty and one thirty million U.S. U.S. Yeah, that's a big exit for I mean per square foot, just based on the landmass of. Hong Kong. It's a Hong Kong. It's partly Hong Kong, partly London, partly San Francisco company. So you can't say it's all out of here. But the development team was out of here, and uh, the the founder was a was a good guy in town that helped other startups and uh, it did well. And you know, I think just from what they did, it was a, it's a good it's a good example of what you can do working out of Hong Kong. So, so did the founder become an angel investor? Like all of we, ho- we hope so. <laughs> yeah, he hasn't he hasn't taken any that money yet, but like, we're hoping so. Okay. I think he may have to hold on to that for a little while before he has that cash. But mm. yes, we're hoping to see uh, David come out and help us out here too, and okay. not too, not too near future. And there's a lot of other, not maybe not huge exits, but you know there have been some acquisitions by other companies. Um, another big one just happened the other day called Padalog. I think they sold for something like two million US to another company here in Hong Kong. Probably something they're like an uh, iPad catalog company um, so that was doing pretty well and then there's a lot of other ones that are like acquisitions for hiring or for um, you know we got, we also have the, the Groupon guy here hmm. who got bought by Groupon and he's now an angel investor as well right so so what company that's that? I, I think that's the first the you buy I buy guy oh, he's okay. like the first generation of the new tech rich that hmm. you know, sell out and then use the money to invest back into his um, hometown. So then you also have a life not dead. I'm familiar with it because I know the founder who is also a former founder of Rotten Tomatoes. Correct, Pat Lee. Yeah. Um, so yeah, they they sold to a I think it's an Indonesian company um, that's doing that's wants to leverage their connections with celebrities and some virtual apps or <laughs> I'm mm. sorry I don't know exactly what they yeah. do. Yeah, and I think he moved back to the U.S. Yeah, Pat, Pat. Yeah, Pat's left, and he's starting on his next startup already. So mm-hmm. I think he's doing that number three or four for him. Yeah. Right. So you have something like a database because you talk and meet a lot of founders, right? So you have about how many startups now? So in your what database? we want to do, yeah. So we started after startups HK is kind of like the mm-hmm. blog and has the news and stuff. We wanted to create a directory that basically made it as transparent as possible for anybody coming to Hong Kong to see what was happening here because. Of course, myself and my my co-partner, co-founder, Gene Su, we we field a lot of emails from people who just want to know what's happening here, right? So we created Startbase with Cyberport to basically catalog all the startups that are in Hong Kong. So either we add them in or they come out and add up add them themselves. But we have about there's over 400 startups now in Hong Kong with, uh, and then we also let the founders put in their bios in there too. So you can kind of see a cross section of what kind of startups are here, what kind of founders they are, what kind of experience they have. And it all ties in with Crunchbase in the U.S., mm-hmm. so that people can update their data here, and it gets updated on the mass on the main Crunchbase site. But it was more of a transparency thing that we could control, and we could show people um, what was happening here. But just by doing a quick search, like you want to know how many e-commerce companies are, you can click a button and find out, right? If you want to know how many logistics company there are, you can click a button and find out. So I think that was really important to kind of pull a bit more cohesion to the uh, ecosystem here. Mm. Do you also do with? tie-ins with AngelList as well, given that a lot of companies now fundraise through AngelList? Yeah, we have not. We're going to working on doing something with AngelList right now as well, yeah. It's definitely uh, all about the transparency and just getting the startups out there, exactly, so they can see what's going on and in the States as well as wherever. You really mentioned earlier that all the co-working spaces for startups are all around the whole of Hong Kong, not just on Hong Kong Island, but also in the Kowloon area yeah, as well. Correct. Which are the very notable ones for co-working spaces? Well... I have uh, there are quite a few of them that are like friends of mine that have opened, so I don't want to okay. I don't want to leave anybody out. So I'm going to say there's a lot of them, mm-hmm. and they range in size, they range in price, mm-hmm. and they r- range in focus. So it really depends on what you're looking for. So you could say that our original co workspace that we opened under Startups HK, which was called Boot Hong Kong, mm-hmm. it was about a thousand square feet, and one of the first investors in that, uh, I guess, took what they learned from what we put together over the first couple of years and opened a much bigger space called Cocoon. Hmm. And Cocoon is uh, one of the first co-work spaces that is a really uh, a helping startups. Like it's cheap rent, 
their whole pitch nights. They bring in all these potential investors to come and listen to the pitches. They do a lot of work to help you know the ecosystem grow. There's one called The Hive, which they spend a lot of money on the decoration for this place, and it shows because it's the kind of place where investors don't, aren't, aren't too scared to go into. It's super high. It looks like a Muji store and an Apple store put together. It started off as two floors. Now there are five floors. And uh, they basically brought the whole con. Like everybody went to this place, I think, and then saw what they were doing and then copied what they were doing and opened another competing venue next door, right? But because it's not just a bunch of desks, right? Because they have those old box places out there still available. But this one had like a patio for, for drinks where they'd continue to have, they'd have movie night. We used to use one of the uh, levels to do a lot of the talks with the projector set up and everything like that. All, all the furniture was really cool. So this place really set, I think, set the limit. And so now they have uh, the Hive first star in Wan Chai. Now there's one in Saigon and one in Kennedy Town. So the guy's grown his business quite a bit here in Hong Kong and you know opened doors to all these you know budding entrepreneurs that needed space outside of Starbucks to work at, right? And then, of course, I mean, I can I can list a whole bunch of them. I, I, I love Garage Society, Paperclip, all these places. But I just went to the newest ones called Blueprint, and it's in Quarry Bay, which is on Hong Kong side, and it's just a fantastic two-level place that really looks to cultivate creativity and cooperation, things like that, that I haven't seen in any of the other spaces. And even around Asia, uh, as I travel around looking at other uh, startup ecosystems. So I'm pretty I'm pretty excited about that space because I think that people will look at that and go, okay, now we this is the new bar. So we'll need to kind of beat this one. And it's just they're just getting better and better. <laughs> Yeah, it happens also in Singapore as well. There's always new spaces that comes out and you know, the, getting the best and the brightest to join those spaces and aggregate them and hopefully something will turn up. How about not just the top five that you picked, like other very in- are there any other interesting notable startup companies within the Hong Kong startup ecosystem? Well, I guess the most famous one that we have here is called Nine Gag. That is uh, probably the most famous one. It's a 500 wow. startup company. Yep. And I think only only if you're under 18 do you know what that is probably. Uh, yeah, but I think people under 18, they also go see the Nine Gag. Maybe even there are also variations of that. In fact, one of the largest online attraction in Singapore is the Nine Gag clone called S-Gag. Oh, really? What does yeah, that one do? They, they, they basically take local jokes and basically spin off usually is politicians gaffes and some very silly comments that are made by some notable individuals interesting yeah interesting. but i know the original nigag is more interesting so you should be telling us about the original nigag that's where everything comes from you should definitely uh e- email ray who's the founder yes. here in hong kong get him on the show because he's got amazing stories about building that business and the original idea was to do an online karaoke thing and they kept they kept um Pivoting. pivoting all the time until they found they stumbled across this comedy uh you know joke meme thing and they have like 80 million users today and they're based out of you know and they're and ray's ray's cool and ray's got a great culture he's he's cultivated for his team but they they're out in some part of hong kong that nobody goes to really? <laughs> like on the far side of hong kong so i guess they can focus and also i think all the guys live out there so they're on they're not in hong kong side they're like in somewhere else and but the, the the stuff that they've done is fantastic so i, I definitely think you should get them on the show because he'll give you a whole different view of it and uh, we just had him on stage with dave mcclure a couple of weeks ago here in hong kong and he was going over the, the experiences that he had going through the 500 program moving from hong kong you know, with no no Chinese food, going to Mountain View and going through their whole program, it's quite funny. But that's one of the, probably the biggest one. And they've really done a good job of, even their job ads in Hong Kong are very, very, you know, classy and really sell, they're selling the culture. Yeah. They're not just hiring anybody who can program. They're looking for people who get what they're doing. And I think that's really quite good and very exciting. I'm a fan of Nike actually. So <laughs> you are, I'm absolutely sold. If I can actually get to chat with Ray, that would be great. You yeah. also have a company called Eight Securities. Eight Securities, yeah. They started a couple years ago too. And I remember um, the founder coming to our little 1,000 square foot co-work space and in the dark talk about how he raised $8 million US for yes. a seed for his company, right? Correct. Um, so it's a pretty fantastic story that they've gone through. And now he's in Japan opening the Japanese office and you know, no longer, I wouldn't consider them a startup anymore, but they're still raising money like a startup. 
and uh, burning money like a startup. But uh, so what you um, you know, they're doing the online stock trading stuff, right? Oh, they're doing that. And okay. They bought a brokerage in Japan and to enter the Japanese market. I think China is the next next big market. And they're you know they're, the guys who are running it are ex um, E Trade guys, you know, who have a even E Trade, which is a you know Web 1.0 company, can still be disrupted and still find another way to do it even better than that way, right? So. But I like those guys, and I like their like their attitude, and I like their sharing. So they're very open to sharing how they raise money, you know, how they spend their money on marketing and social media and things like that. So these are the kind of people we love to have in the community, right? And I think it helps any any ecosystem when there's people that give back and sh are willing to open up and share, you know, how they raise eight million dollars and then how they spend that money on ad online advertising or social media or whatever. So it's, very, it's really good. So you have other companies of interest, for example, Hotel Quickly? Oh yeah, Hotel Quickly. Uh, well, I guess Hotel Quickly is a good, a good example of how maybe you know, you'll start to see this kind of trend where the companies are from Hong Kong, but they're raising money from Singapore. Yes. Um, not necessarily from here. I'm sure this will be on your questions later down the line. Hmm. But we're seeing that obviously the Singaporean government is quite happy to help out startups financially more so than the Hong Kong government and so people start companies here and, and move to Singapore to find funding find higher funding and so um, Hotel Quickly is one of them mm. it's, a, it's just like Hotel Tonight basically but for Asia so they uh, you know you turn it on now and you can find a hotel at half price um, all over I don't know there's about 10 or 12 major cities in Asia and um, so that one's good Shopline is another cool one they just came out of 500 as well mm. so that's like I think that's two or three companies from Hong Kong went into the 500 uh, program, and uh, they just came back, and they're at Blueprint, and they're doing really well. They're like a mobile shopping um, app, so it's basically you can make your own store on the mobile uh, store, like with a few clicks. So they give you the whole back end for this. So you can like, so if you want to sell T-shirts of Analyze Asia, you can just use them on a, on a mobile phone. You can just use them and then turn on the whole thing like that, the whole shopping cart thing. Yeah, I, and then there's Aftership, which is another great company that came out of a startup weekend. A bunch of guys had a problem with e-commerce tracking packages, and so they started Aftership, which works with like FedEx and DHL to like manage all your different packages under one one number. So they're doing a pretty good job. They raised a million dollars recently. Um, they're based out of here, and uh, I think they're going to be working with like every e-commerce company in Asia. So I think that's a pretty pretty big company as well. Or will be on their way. But yeah. definitely GoGoVan. I mean, of all of them, GoGoVan. You probably know, right? They're the company that hit 100 million uh, US already. Probably the fastest, based off of you know their connections they've done and the kind of volume they're doing and the the look they're going and the partnerships they're growing with, right? Mm. So that one's a pretty big, big one that people should be looking at. Yeah, interestingly, they are also funded by Singaporean investors as well. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, in fact, one of the most prominent super angels in Singapore, uh, who's also an investor of Razor, is also an investor of Google Van. Wow, that's pretty amazing. Yeah. And then Razor is a billion-dollar company too. That's right. Correct. And so yeah, so this guy knows what he's looking. Yeah, and I think um, probably I should just mention his name. His name is Kobun Hui. Uh, not very well known, but he okay. commands even the eyes and the ears of the Silicon Valley tech elites. Wow, very cool. APEC. So they have a good investor and they have a Midas touch. What about Boxful? So now there's a whole bunch of these kind of storage companies coming out now all of a sudden. Actually, I went to my business trip to the States and we got one, two, I think three press releases from three similar companies. Boxful is one of them. They're doing the same thing. So basically, you use your phone or your website to order storage boxes to your house and then you fill it up and somebody comes back and takes it away and everything's controlled by your iPhone. Mm. And so you can call it back when you need it or see where it is whenever you need it because I've obviously Hong Kong apartments are quite small so mm. I won't be needing all my winter clothes in about a, in a couple of months right so it's perfect to send them off to these things so I, I don't know I can't really comment too much on these on these ones I haven't really talked to those guys and see what they're doing but I think that you know that's the one thing about Hong Kong once one guy starts to do something I find that people jump on it really really quickly and so you know like GoGo Van is there's lots of GoGo Vans here actually mm, there's something they have their clones <laughs> as well and I think one of them was funded by the Rocket Internet guys which that's is right. Easy Van right yeah that's right I think they already changed their name already but uh, is it? yeah yeah there's a lot of these uh, I mean I can't you know knocking off American companies one thing but knocking off a Hong Kong company in Hong Kong 
such a small market is just crazy, right? When you talk about companies, I noticed that there is also a mobile element involved in it. So probably the, my next question is probably on, are there any interesting mobile apps in Hong Kong that are built for Hong Kong users or what did they build for? I don't think that any startup in Hong Kong will build an app for Hong Kong. Mm. Right. I mean, I think Gogo Van is maybe yeah. They're like if it's transportation like that, it will be there for that market. But they'll just be testing it out to expand into Asia. But I've never seen any other apps that said, yeah, let's make a let's make an app for Hong Kong um, because they just can't imagine to do that because the market's so small here. So, but yeah, everybody has a mobile element. I'm, I'm surprised that if they if they launch, they, they come, somebody pitches me something without a mobile element, I'd be really surprised at what the reasoning behind it was. I remember one of our guys built a whole website. And um, then realized, oh, it should have been a mobile site because of because of the subject matter, and so they went back and wasted more time going back and building a mobile site. Right, so hmm. I'll never forget that. And I will share that story because you have to really think about what it's going to be when you launch it, and who's going to use it, and what market you're looking at. I mean, there's a lot of mobile apps. I mean, I yeah, I guess it's a little bit like people integrate mobile together with web. So you what the kind of startups you see, you don't need to care about which screen you are on, as long as yeah. there is a way to interact with the customer. It doesn't matter which is the touch point that they start off from. So it seems that a lot of Hong Kong startups have this flexibility of starting whether from the desktop or the mobile. Agreed, yeah. Mm. How about we have 66 mobile apps in startups wow. in our really in our thing, yeah. There's one called, oh, there's one I like called Coachbase. Mm -hmm. They um, produced, uh, they went to Techstars Nike Accelerator in the US. And basically, it's something that you wouldn't think would come out of Hong Kong. But the founders into sports, and basically, it's exactly what you think. It's an iPad app that lets uh, high school coaches of basketball or football make their plays and share their plays amongst the team using, you know, using an iPad, which is a fantastic idea. Yeah, there you have it. One interesting mobile app. <laughs> what about yeah. gaming then? Gaming is uh, a lot bigger than I thought in Hong Kong. We've got at least three companies that I know of that are doing really big work here: uh, Frenzu, um, Animoca. And Six Wave, Six Wave is probably the biggest company out of Hong Kong that does gaming, mobile gaming, or any kind of actually not mobile gaming, like social gaming. They first copied the um, that Mafia Wars game on Facebook, but used uh, Chinese uh, mafia instead, <laughs> right? And that's where it started. And now they make tons and tons of big multiplayer games on Facebook and social media and things like that. So they're a big they're a big company with offices in China and Japan everywhere. Making games, so they're pretty big, and then Animoca is more like an Android gaming company, and then Frenzu is making games for girls. That's like their main thing. They're doing these fashion games and things like that. So mm. very, very interesting on that space. Whenever you have entrepreneurs, you have investors. So who are the notable venture capitalists and business angels in Hong Kong? So I guess we're a little bit different. I know in Singapore, I know there are so many of them there. There's a lot of competition there. I don't. I think here it's a lot different. We have, you know, handfuls of angels and handfuls of VCs, but you know, anybody who's got big money is looking at China rather than Hong Kong, right? I think Hong Kong. If you're looking at the the main play of the whole thing, and I mean, I guess investors and institutional investors are looking at it differently, right? Mm -hmm. They're looking at the big the big picture. They're looking at the China play. They're not necessarily going, oh, we can seed a little company in Hong Kong. That might grow to be a billion dollar company, right? Like I, I think even if you showed those people GoGo Van, they probably would not invest in GoGo Van at this stage, right? You know, they'd have to find their own angel somehow from some country rather than go directly to VC. But there there are some angels here like Fresco and Nest, Archangels. These guys are all doing stuff. Brink is a new hardware accelerator slash investment company. You know, five hundred does investments out here as well, not just through the incubator. Or accelerator program, but just you know, just one-off investments, and then you have like bigger companies like Arbor Partners and Horizon Ventures. Even KPMG has got a fund for uh, data companies. And today's news um, is is the Alibaba one billion dollar one billion RMB um, investment uh, fund for companies working inside their infrastructure. Hmm. I guess also I would like to so highlight about Horizon Ventures is owned by Li Kaxing. Correct. And they have done a lot of also not just local investments, but they also done a lot of overseas investments as well. 
Yes. Like Samli, I think was one of the examples where the yes. founder got an exit to Yahoo. And I think they, they, they partake in some of the mega rounds in Silicon Valley companies as well. Yeah, I don't know what their, I don't know what their play is, but I mean, every time we send somebody from Hong Kong, when the Hong Kong startups go talk to them there, they always turn them away. <laughs> no, really? So, okay. I mean, they're not big enough. They're definitely looking at a bigger, a bigger fish. I mean, mm. I think it's, they're working in a different stratosphere of startup than it's the ones similar offer to them. SoftBank, I guess. I would uh, yes, I would definitely say that was more of a, a fair comparison. Yeah, because uh, I was talking to a couple of the Japanese investors, and they also find that SoftBank doesn't invest locally in Japan, but they sp- and Rakuten as well. They spend more of their time investing overseas. I, I guess the same would be the same with Horizon Ventures as well. Yeah, yeah. So, so of course, it's sad, right? Because mm-hmm. they're you know it's Lee Ka-shing's company there. Their Hong Kong is their home. He loves Hong Kong, but he still doesn't invest in startups here. So it seems weird. And then you have like Jack Ma coming in saying, I'm going to give this much money to Hong Kong startups. It just seems kind of weird, right? Yes. It, it happens. Um, and actually having the very successful companies to invest within their own shores are very few. I could only give two examples. One is SK Planet for Korea. The other one is Foxconn for Taiwan. True. So that was that's actually quite an interesting. How about accelerator programs? I know five hundred startups are there, but they operate more like an investor. They're an investor, and then of course they want to they want to bring Asian teams back to the valley mm. to go through the accelerator program over there, right? So we've had a you know a few of them um, go there for their thing. So they're not here; they don't have uh, any program here. They basically have somebody here to like vet them and then send them over if they're good. Um, and accelerate programs. That's yeah. That's one thing. I guess I'm also slightly envious of, of Singapore. You have a couple of good ones there that are really like I've been to JFDI, and I think those guys are doing a great job of what what they've put together. And uh, it feels really like a you know Silicon Valley type place where people are just it's just a mess inside, and everybody's like building stuff and thinking of ideas of how to make it bigger. It's just really really cool. We don't have that here. We don't we don't have. We had one here, and then the guys left, so now we don't really have any. So the best one I can think of that will, I think the ones we'll start to see are ones like a Blueprint, mm-hmm. which is the co-work space, but they also have an accelerator program. They're, they're backed by Swire, which is one of the big companies, conglomerates here. And they, you know, Swire owns Cafe Pacific, Coca-Cola, you know, all the big brands that actually startups would really do well getting, you know, introductions to. Right, they can actually test and see how good their products are with the big boys um, before even going too far, or even finding out investment opportunities or customer opportunities right there. Mm. So that's the kind of accelerator I think it would work here, and I think that because Swire did the first shot and they just opened, they're getting really good feedback. That I'll we'll see the rest of them, the rest of the big conglomerates come out and try and do something similar mm. um, and you, you, some, you leverage their connections. Correct. You also have Accenture as well and I think Nest works with AIA, Nest Ventures, yep. not the correct. Nest Labs that we know in Google. Correct. Yes. So Accenture, yeah, Accenture did a FinTech accelerator, AIA is working with uh, Nest on another accelerator so you'll see, I think you'll see a lot of these branded accelerators come out more than maybe a private, like a, like a JFDI type one here. Hearing your story, you talk a lot about Cyberport and Science Park seems to be the origin of where most of the startup activities started from. So what are they now in the ecosystem? What's their role now in the ecosystem? Well, I think that I have to be very diplomatic here in how I answer this, but I think being in Singapore, and if any of your listeners are in Singapore, they'll know the, the how the government gets involved in startups, right? Mm. It's uh, but I, I think that the Singapore government it gets a little bit a little bit more involved than they should, whereas the Hong Kong <laughs> our Hong Kong guys are they're there, but they they haven't seemed to be very you know, heavy handed. They do their stuff. It's open for you. For instance, it's a uh, tour group to TechCrunch Disrupt. And you can go with them, and they'll help do introductions and stuff for you like that. Wow. Basically, hold your hand when you go over there. That's that's uh, good and bad, as you can imagine. It, it's, it's an opportunity you might not have another, any other way, right? <laughs> I like to say the grass is always greener on the other side, just as Singaporean entrepreneurs will be complaining the government is being too overhanded. 
be yeah, exactly. involved in the entrepreneurs. But I, I well, guess that's not, that, that's what I hear. I definitely hear that the government, Singapore government, is a little bit too heavy-handed and stuff like that. And um, I mean, I can't tell you which one works better because oh. I, yeah, exactly. It's the grass is green on the other side. Both okay. sides will that's will right. complain about the other one not doing enough, but right? So I find that. But I mean, at least you know we've got space. Cyberport and Science Park have soft landing places for new startups coming to Hong Kong. Mm -hmm. They've got a lot of free office space, you know. They've got openings and stuff. You know, it's just it just depends on what you're looking for. That's right. And actually, I wanted to add this point that I always think that the intention of the government is good, no doubt about it. They're trying to help, but I think the problem lies in the implementation. Yes, I think that okay, is yes, something that yeah. we. I totally. I think you will be in agreement that they're always starting off with the right intention, but the wrong implementation. Yeah, that's definitely for sure because, you know, government people, they, they finish work at a certain hour when startups are just starting to work, right? So I think that's a that's a main issue there. And uh, and sometimes I get the feeling they're like, they're playing like fathers and mothers to these uh, these these startups as well, which is probably not, a, not the kind of feeling you want either. I, I'll never, I mean, think about it, we'll never have been Startups HK without Cyberport um, putting together this angel forum. And I can see a lot of people have would never have been able to come to Hong Kong because a lot of people go to Cyberport or Science Park from overseas because the infrastructure is so good there. They have beautiful spaces, they got big rooms for big conferences. You know, it looks like a real facility, not like, you know, and it can hold a lot of people, so it's always a good place to go and work with. Yeah, I think, you know, eventually, hopefully, I, I'm sure they want this too, that eventually uh, the private sector will be able to, you know, there'll be more swires out there helping startups and that they'll be just be there to, to help the you know maybe the students move up the uh, value chain rather than um, actually putting too much together mm. but at least they're doing something that's the most important thing if I'm in Hong Kong as an entrepreneur which are the networking groups that I will go to I'm sure startups HK is definitely one of those that I have to go to yeah we we host uh, events when we can so we have different kinds of theme events one of our more popular one is called h3 and that stands for uh, hacker, hustler, hipster, oh. right? These are the three things. Well, there's another thing from Dave McClure anyways. These are the three yeah. things, three people you need in a, in a startup. And a lot of people always ask us, hey, I need to find a designer or I need to find a programmer. Um, so we said, okay, you know what? Let them just, let them just find themselves. And we basically invite <laughs> people from each of these three studies and then give them a color sticker and then tell everybody to meet, you know, just network with each other and try and form teams that night. And then we'd give prizes out to people <laughs> who would make the form, formulate full teams there, right? That way, you know, you come in and you'd be, you'd be surprised though. There's a lot, of course, there's a lot of hustlers. That's like the main one. Um, but there's just as many hipsters looking to do stuff and lots of hackers looking to do stuff. So I always find, that's also very interesting to me is who shows up for these kind of events and who's trying to do a startup. And who's open enough to tell the people what their what their idea is, right? Mm. So that's quite interesting. Um, and then of course, there's you know there's all kinds of stuff going on there. because there's 35, I don't know, 40, 45 co workspaces now. There's always something going on, right? Every night, um, you can look at the calendar on our website. There's a you know if everybody has one event a night, there's already too many events. There's already doubling up, right? Plus plus whatever Cyberport and Science Park's doing tonight. Jack Ma's in town. He's talking at, a, at the convention center, so there's people going to that. There's always something going on. So there's you know there's the Thai group. There's a startup weekend happening for education this weekend. There's an open data group. You know, like I said, there was a hardware group called Dim Sum Labs. Um, I host personally a startup Dim Sum um, once a month just to bring some founders together about and talk about startup stuff. So there's always something going on, and it's just you know it's an exciting time. I think you can always come down any. Before I'd always try and tell people come down on a Monday, because we used to host Startup Monday on a Monday, so you could actually see people. But now you can come anytime, uh. come anytime, and you can find find something going on, which is great because after just coming back from L.A. and San Francisco, I, I see you know it's the same thing. You know I can just open the calendar and find something to go to that night. The startup dim sum is something like you just get a few founders and then you go having dim sum somewhere and then you started chatting about startup. Yeah, yeah, not, not that original idea, but uh, I, I tell people in uh, other countries about it, they all have a good laugh because it sounds like such a Chinese thing to do, such a Hong Kong thing to do. Mm. Um, but yeah, the dim sum, of course, is not the most important part of the whole, the whole thing, but it's good to get people out because, you know, doing a lot of events and doing a lot of travel, I don't, you know, get time to sit down with a lot of people for more than like five minutes at these things, right? So mm. having these kind of uh, sit-downs, uh, longer ones, is good, and, and it's also good because I... 
you know, there's so many people out there and people are working so hard, they don't have time to meet people they should be meeting and, and be able to, you know, um, share, share ideas and share, you know, what they're doing. Mm. So I think that's a good way to keep it up. I have kind of a question that is a little bit interesting. It concerns Shenzhen. So there is always this, you know, the media talks about the Hong Kong Shenzhen ecosystem. I mean, I spoke to Ben Joff, who was one of my guests, talk about the Shenzhen hardware factory. And he didn't see a lot of activity coming from Hong Kong to Shenzhen. So now I'm going to ask you from the Hong Kong perspective, how do you see Shenzhen? given so close and you can actually have a lot of synergies. Yeah, that's a that's a good point. That's a, and I agree with Ben, it's, there's not a lot of synergy. I don't know why, it's not that far away. <laughs> Shenzhen is like a, a one more station out from the last station. But, you know, honestly, getting people to Science Park, if you know, if you look at a map and see Science Park compared to like Central, it's a chore and it's not that far away, right? So I think people <laughs> in Hong Kong have become extremely... You know, um, not lazy, but just like, and there's so many things happening already in the city. I don't need to go away to Science Park. And then, you know, going to Shenzhen is, you know, another 20, 30 minutes on the train, right? Mm. Um, and, uh, you know, there's the visa thing and all these things you have to go through to get on the other side. So I don't think they see a value to go there. So I don't think, um, you know, people go there that much mm. um, to see what's going on. Mm. I think I what Ben's doing with Accelerator is the only thing that would sound you know interesting for me to go check out anyways right mm. would would you sort of see any hardware startups that would originate from hong kong move to shenzhen yes in a longer term I think, yeah i think so i mean i think that if they're i think well i think what accelerator does is they bring a lot of teams from around the world so they can see what it looks like inside a shenzhen factory there's a new hardware accelerator in hong kong called brink and they're doing the same thing, but they're keeping them here mm. instead of taking them to Shenzhen. But they, I mean, they take them to Shenzhen to see the stuff, but they're not basing them there. So mm. I'm not sure how that works. Um, but I think the sanity of the founders is kept intact. <laughs> if you've ever been to Shenzhen, <laughs> I don't know. There's, there's, you know, there's a lot of things you can say about China and Hong Kong and all these kind of things that play into it as well. But I think there's enough stuff happening here that people necessarily don't necessarily say, I have to go to Shenzhen and see what's going on. Mm. Although I do, when I go to Shenzhen and Guangzhou, I do see a lot of stuff happening there. And it's very open and it's very exciting and it's so big, the space, and everybody's doing something. It's just like, I guess people just want to play in their own Thanks. playground for now, yeah. You know, I, I tell a lot of people in Hong Kong, gotta go to Singapore, gotta check out Startup Asia, gotta check out Echelon. And they're like, no, no, no it's kind of far away. <laughs> I was like, okay, but that's like the main place for you. That's a, that's the closest you can go to it besides going to like Silicon Valley or San Francisco to see this kind of thing in action and see what the startup ecosystems are around the around the region. Mm. So I can I'm not, I don't want to I don't want to paint Hong Kong people as like a super lazy bunch, <laughs> but um, you know from my travels going to Singapore, I you know I see a lot of activity there and a lot of uh, excitement that um, you know Hong Kong people would be good to to check out but I guess that might be the Hong Kong Singapore rivalry always always there right well we keep each other in check so I, I guess so. like like Singapore Hong Kong is a very small market how do you see startups scaling beyond the shores yeah I think that's a that's a big big question mm -hmm. um, and that's something I don't think anybody's really answered yet I think that Hong Kong as a base hub for like the three main uh, verticals I mentioned at the beginning um, would be great because you can work, you know, a retail e-commerce company out of here really well for and scale it globally. Um, I think that's one thing, um, and logistics and all these things are really good. But anything else, I guess you have to be careful of how you're going to do it. But I definitely see all the startups here are trying to scale to North America or Europe or Southeast Asia. Nobody here is really too focused on China because. If they want to focus on China, they're already in China. Right? They're already in Shanghai or Beijing or whatever doing stuff. So I definitely see that. But you know, I think Hong Kong is a good hub. Mm -hmm. I think Hong Kong has a lot of maybe a little bit more um, in those verticals uh, advantage over something like Singapore mm -hmm. um, growing out. right? So if you want to do an e-commerce, I would say that you probably should be here since you're so close to where all the stuff is. and you know shipping hubs and things like that right so that, that's how I see the growth of scaling beyond beyond here and then if it's if it's fintech I mean hey this is the the financial center uh, I, I I can't see that's why I think people are coming to Hong Kong now to do startups because there's so many of these resources are here it's just taking a matter of time for the venture community to get bigger 
and for everybody to get on board, like this is happening now. You have to get on the train for startups, or you're going to miss out on all this innovation happening now, right? And that's I'm talking about old companies here that you know, and then when an old company that makes you know billions of dollars a year on shipping, you know they they're still using paper, right? And I think so. I think there's still a lot of opportunities for people to build stuff here. So if I were to come to Hong Kong, what are the big events or conferences. I know Startups HK events are important since I, I think recently you hosted 500 startups. Yeah, Dave, Dave, well, Dave is, when he's in town, he'll come and, and hang out with us and we'll throw on a show for him and everybody loves it because mm. he's, he's so great and the way he talks and gives insight to people here in Hong Kong. But I mean, I, I mean, the last year, there's always some kind of shows, but I think 2015 will be the biggest year for events here, not just, you know, meetups and after uh, you know mixers and things like that, but the, the Rise Conference is coming here in July. The Rise Conference is from the 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 Web Summit in Dublin, so that's a big that's like the South by Southwest, the big tech event for Europe that happens in November, and they've decided to have their first international event here in Hong Kong in July, which is I don't know the hottest time of the year to come, but I guess they they don't want to be in their cold country anymore. And uh, they usually have, you know, the web summit. I don't know if you've been there, but they usually have, you know, speakers like Elon Musk and those kind of high-level people come out for the talks. It's like a big, big event. And so doing it in Hong Kong puts a lot of uh, uh, spotlight on us. Mm. I mean, this is not a startup Asia or an echelon. This is like a, you know, world-class conference mm. um, inviting people from China and Singapore and um, the U.S. to come and do talks. So that's going to be exciting. And then Recode is coming here in the fall. Recode is the, uh, you know, the the blog, the tech blog from the Wall Street Journal guys who went out and did their own thing. Mm. So they're going to bring probably very classy, very high level um, conference because they did it a couple years ago um, called Asia D and it was fantastic. They brought Jack Dorsey over, they brought Brian Chesky over, they brought a bunch of the main people over to talk about what they were doing out here in in Asia. That's three big events, and these are the kind of events that I think people come out for, spend a couple of days for in Hong Kong because they've always wanted to come here and mm. here's a good reason to come out here and kind of be part of it. I guess it's something that we we at Startups HK couldn't couldn't put together because of the scope and we're not really an events company and something that even Cyberport and Science Park couldn't couldn't put together or the government here couldn't put together. So these are the big this is going to be the big show for Hong Kong to show off all the excitement that's happening here and I think this will be something that will push Hong Kong quite into the spotlight over the next few years. Hmm. Wow, I think that is going to be like a very exciting year for you guys. So, help my audience to find you. How do they find you online? Um, I'm most active on Twitter, so I'm at Casey underscore Lau. That's my uh, main place to find me, and I'm usually on that all the time, actually. <laughs> That's the, yeah. Or you can email me, Casey at startupshk.com. Mm. And also your website, startupshk.com. Yeah, there's a lot of lot of places to to consolidate now, but uh, yeah, those are the main the main ones. Yeah, you can also find me at bleongcw at bernardleong.com or come to analyzeasia.com, our Twitter account at analyzeasia with a S and not a Z. And you can also find us on iTunes, um, Stitcher, and now you can definitely listen to us on Overcast. So, Casey, thank you very much. And we'll definitely get you again onto the show. Thank you very much, Bernard.